Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, itong statement from your report na binanggit ni Nicole, I wonder if you could guess which statement this is. Shall I read it out loud? Or would you care to do the honors? I think you should read it. Alright, so this controversial, not-so-controversial statement reads, This election effectively ended legacy media's privileged role as gatekeeper of the political center where national debates could gather authorities of different political camps to discuss important issues while affirming the nation's shared myths and values. What we are, as Filipinos, we are most concerned at this moment. 99.5% of all businesses considered the MSMEs. I do remember the reception of some journalists when we were in that conference when this report was first shown to us. Parang sabi nila, oh my God, they put it to words. Sinabi nila na nawala na tayo ng influence. That's funny because I was in a podcast with Howie Severino just a few weeks ago from the time that this um, episode will be coming out. Mm-hmm. And he picked out this exact same sentence. Yeah, I can tell that it might be rubbing salt in, you know, like very fresh wounds. I used to work for legacy media. I used to work for GMA, CAT. And so I have huge investment in legacy media. But for me, legacy media, you know, the role of legacy media is not just about imparting information. It's not just, you know, we're the trusted source and we are going to interpret the reality for you. But legacy media has another function of bringing the nation together, of being part of daily rituals where people come to believe in the myths and values of a nation. They do this through screening, you know, mga live events of national um, triumphs. These could be sporting triumphs at the Olympics. These could be memorials and remembrances. Philippines, the win is over! The gold is yours! Heidi Diaz, the gold medalist. The new Miss Universe is Philippines! But there's also the function of bringing together disparate political camps to a center. And they failed to do that by having a national debate where the biggest and most important person actually refused to participate in that debate. So to me, this is a statement of fact. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Harvard University. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Catch Me If You Can, where we take a deep dive into the world of online trolls and talk to personalities involved in influence operations on social media. This is part two of our episode on parallel public spheres. 
influence operations in the 2022 elections. I feel like it was more like cold water on our faces. We already sensed that this was happening. But to see it in a report and to have it reflected and to have it verbalized, it just cemented a lot of things for us. Mm-mm. And if anything, sa akin lang, maybe the statement shouldn't be taken so bitterly. It should be a challenge. It's not like the fourth estate is gone. We are still here. And I think it's just a matter of listening to the people we sought to serve. But speaking of platforms and practices, we ended part one of the Elections Report episode mentioning the two practices that were highlighted during the elections. These are cancel culture and brigading. So let's talk about these first. Let's start with brigading. Yeah, so um, brigading is yung mass report hours, kumbaga. So that's the quick and easy explanation. But brigading is actually a term developed by Meta or Facebook themselves. And it refers to coordinated behaviors um, by a set of users that they perceive as silencing other users. They are very unhappy of the idea of mass report hours because it's a way of gaming the system. So for us, we interpret it as, you know, digital groups that gamify bot busting and troll hunting through mass reporting. And it offers the thrill, um, kind of like video game style thrills of, you know, fighting fire with fire without really addressing root causes though. Mm. So that's our, yeah, our issue with brigading that, yes, they are actually using the mechanisms provided by social media platforms. However, again, going back to the idea of focusing our energies on holding the top people accountable rather than, you know, smaller accounts. Sometimes too much energy is focused on the low-level accounts. Um, But we heard from various influencers in our previous podcasts. I remember Super Negatron having a very good justification for mass report hours. If itong mga accounts na ito are serial offenders of hate speech, then it's legitimate to report them and to mass report them on public pages. I think what we try to discuss in our report is, diba, kung mapatay mo ang isang bot, mabubuhay na naman yan in another form. Mm-mm, parang hydra lang. <laughs> <laughs> But ito nga eh, dahil nga parallel yung public sphere, sino yung nagre-report kanino? Biased eh. Ano nangyayari? Mm-hmm. Si Super Negatrona, sinasabi niya yun, pero siya mismo, naging piktima rin ng brigading. Sa kabilang side, siya yung nakikita nilang ano, serial offender ng hate speech. Kasi ang dami niyang kino-call out, ang dami niyang nilalaglag, ganyan. At ang dami niyang ino-offend ng mga fan groups na, I would call, kay Super Nagatrona. Like, may dahilan siya for it. But for them, nakikita lang nila as, you know, katuwaan lang yung ginagawa niya. At nakaka-offend and offensive on their end. But now, let's go to cancel culture because, unfortunately, that's still a bit out for debate. People have their mixed feelings on cancel culture. A lot of people have been able to justify it. But as a whole, like, how do you think that affected these elections? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, this will remain yeah, as a huge point of discussion over the next couple of years. I am really excited to hear from diverse you know, perspectives, you know, from other researchers working on the topic, you know, obviously civil society and journalists. So, una-una, ano ba talaga itong cancel culture? This is the practice of withdrawing support from personalities or groups based on their problematic behavior. And this can come in the form of boycotts or calls to deplatform to frame um, these people as unworthy of public support. First of all, we need to acknowledge that cancel culture, um, we should be tracing back and associating it um, with some incredible positive examples and real huge inroads made for racial justice of Black Lives Matter and also to discuss survivors of sexual abuse from the Me Too movement, right? So those incredible movements exposed and canceled real authorities who are problematic and celebrities who are problematic, guilty of racism, sexism. But for some, they're interpreting cancel culture in this kind of political situation. Now, there's, yeah, there's multiple political camps and it's about fighting fire with fire. So I think in our report, we discuss some of the more recent practices and we're trying to raise questions na tama nga ba itong ginagawa as a way of defending the public sphere? Actually, nakatulong pa siya para i-put forward yung isa pang narrative na nakita rin natin during the elections. Just this victimhood narrative na naging redemption arc pa. Can you tell us more about that? I agree. Yeah. So also to uh, acknowledge no na again this is a a group of five researchers who co-authored this study, pero we all share the same kind of sociological spirit, but we also have various, you know, micro differences too when it comes to our own backgrounds. So you know, for a deliberative scholar such as Nicole Corato, um, I think she's yeah quite familiar to many of our listeners. She's a deliberative scholar, and for her, rebuilding spaces in the middle is really the premise of deliberative democracy, right? Like to never regard the other as unworthy of engagement, and still try to acknowledge these people with different opinions are worthy of critical engagement na hindi sila mga bobo. Diba? Parang, so for her, rebuilding spaces is important. So, so she's the most critical of cancel culture and I think she explained it very well. The example of celebrity Ella Cruz. Diba? Remember when she said, history is like chismis. Sen, mali po ba yung sinabi ko na history is like chismis? Hindi ko naman sinabi na history is chismis. Tapos, dyan na lang sila nag-focus, hindi na sa paliwanag. So for context, Ella Cruz is a Filipino actress who portrayed Irene Marcos, who is one of the sisters of President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. This was in a movie called Made in Malacanang. In the movie, it's about the Marcos's last days in Malacanang Palace before they were forced to flee to Hawaii during the 1986 Edsa People Power Revolution. It's a fictionalized retelling of that story. And Ella Cruz tried to defend her role in the film 
by saying history is like chismis or hearsay. Now, this statement of hers drew a lot of flack on social media. Okay, wait. Ganito kasi yan. Napanood ko yung interview mo eh. Tinanong ka bilang estudyante. Tapos, tinanong ka bilang artista. Di ka naman sumagot bilang historian. Exactly, Sen. Isa pa, hindi ko naman sinabi na matalino ako. Di rin naman ako nagmamagaling. Pero, Sen, nagbabasa naman ako, no? Nag-aaral naman ako. At totoo naman na ang kasaysayan ay chismis na napatunayan dahil sa ebidensya at sa research. Nicole's interpretation of that is definitely reinforces the victimhood narrative na the Marcoses are victims of liberals. Victims of history, they're victims of historians, victims of experts, and now ito, victims of an angry mob. For her, it confirms that um, strategic narrative positioning that Marcoses are positioning themselves as victims of liberals and therefore cancel culture for her especially. Um, and I can see it how they are not tools for bridge building, but they're tools for bridge burning. That's important to think about, right? I'm a bit more practical, to be honest, na I think of how it's also for our own mental health and sanity that it's sometimes just good to block you know people we disagree with mm-hmm. and to unfriend them i've certainly done that i don't want to participate in discussions where it's not going to lead to anything meaningful the worst excesses of cancel culture though for me are when it punches down too hard So, I think parang kung nagigin na tayong bully, imagine, di ba, parang I'm a, I'm a PhD, I'm, you know, an academic with a certain set of privileges, tapos um, may aawayan akong celebrity na, na bata pa naman. Sikat ba siya? Um, should we be hosting an academic webinar to trash somebody of that stature? Um, or is that, you know, stooping down to their level? Right, oo nga. And that we're fragmenting the public sphere even further. How can you expect that person to see reason or to listen to us the very least if we've shut her down so much? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, 
I also see Nicole's point and I think it is a more healthy way moving forward because we've seen how fragmented it is. It's just how to bring things back. And agree si ano ah, agree si Ma'am Lenny Jan. So for her, she shared with us in our in the launch at Harvard na her campaign was all about radical love. The reason why I've been pushing for radical love is we do not want to to add to the polarization. Um, by adding to the polarization, I'm very definite that we are not contributing to um, solving in a more sustainable way the, the problems that beset us now. So radical love is just exercising more empathy, listening more, being more patient. This ethnological research that gives us a glimpse of the motivations behind why people do it. And I think it is very important when people feel that they are being listened to, when people feel that um, we are trying to understand where they're coming from, they will be more open to search for middle ground. But if we we are not willing to listen, we are not willing to exercise empathy, then it will just contribute to the polarization. She is very sincere about it. And radical love begins with rebuilding spaces in the middle, having uncomfortable conversations with people we disagree with. Obviously, their campaign um, emphasized, and she specifically emphasized, going down to the grassroots. So I think that's um, very important. So I can see that as one important um, part of bridging our parallel public spheres. So let's talk about this community engagement plan, Jonathan. You mentioned it during your talk in the Psikologiyong Pilipino Annual Conference, and we have some clips of those. So para sa amin, it's important na maghanap din ng solution para itulay ang ating parallel public spheres. So ang simula nito para sa amin ay itong community engagement plan which we aim to advance as a starting point, as a blueprint to build new spaces for deliberation, for learning and political accountability. So our Engagement plan is a recognition that living in parallel public spheres where people belong to separate information ecosystems, this is not sustainable for democratic problem solving. And so to address this, we require sociologically grounded insights, how to knit families and friendships together in difference. So we're open to work with student organizations, content creators, researchers. So um, kahit mga boomers, welcome din kayo to create proposals that can help us bridge the parallel public spheres. So hindi lang ito para sa Gen Z or sa mga millennials na tulad ko. Uh, welcome siya to everybody who have ideas. We change the narrative around disinformation. So we argue that digital literacy initiatives should be empowering citizens rather than perpetuating anti-masa sentiments. There's a tendency kasi for some disinformation interventions to reinforce or even exacerbate social class divisions, usually in discourses that blame the uneducated. So we're nearing the end of this podcast, Jonathan, and I just wanted to bring the study back to its methodology. Like Your approach to this is, a lot of it is digital ethnography, but 
nothing too technical, nothing too legal in that sense. Why is that? For us, the issue of disinformation is it's not just going to be solved by a top-down legal framework. Yeah, I'm sure you mo Kat, at the time after the elections, people were blaming the results to disinformation. And parang may mga tweets na dapat meron ng batas against mm. fake news. Mm-mm. That kind of approach na parang it's a top-down approach to solve the issue, it's not gonna work. And first of all, there's some bad examples of such kinds of laws. The anti-fake news laws are actually going to only serve the political incumbents. Na parang you're granting political authorities more say and more control over social media content. That is a recipe for disaster, especially in the Philippines where we cannot trust our political leaders. Yeah, and that we don't have the systems for this kind of uh, check and balance. Who's going to say what is fake news, what is not? Tapos, meron naman ding ibang approach na kailangan daw the US or EU will solve disinformation in the Philippines. Paano? Bakit sila? Through a code of conduct, through a new policy na parang for US to regulate Facebook will have global repercussions. Obviously, they would. But again, for us, we're sociologists. We find that disempowering to have a kind of colonial dependency on the United States or EU for their values to inform the kinds of information ecosystems that we should be building ourselves in the Philippines, right? And so the recommendations we outline in our study are also grounded in community insights. They are um, empowering of citizens. Now, actually, we are capable of bridge building and reimagining our information ecosystems ourselves. How do we live in a situation na hindi na tayo nag-uusap-usap, na kanya-kanya na ang ating political realities and information sources, kanya-kanya na, and hindi na tayo nag-uusap? If there's anything that this study this report has taught us it's that it's not black and white it's all the gray area it's navigating that gray area and regulation is not the solution in that sense in this kind of reality that we live in where there are personalities that would use satire that would use divisive comments recontextualize studies to perpetuate certain myths and to also reassert certain arguments to serve their own biases Regulation is also not the solution for platforms and practices. In fact, the practice of cancel culture and brigading, that was because they used regulation, because they used community standards and used it to their own standards. And they used reporting, they used the tools for regulating these harmful posts to serve their own purpose. So it actually backfired in that sense, if you think about it. And finally, when it comes to platforms, we've seen that legacy media perpetuating itself as the all-knowing and the only source and the only gatekeeper of this conversation has actually become a disservice to them because we, myself included, have become deaf to the people that we sought to serve. It's really just bridging those parallel public spheres that have existed so well on its own 
and trying to bring us back to our own values because I think we all want the same thing naman eh. If you do listen to both public spheres, they all just want to improve and to steer the country in a better position. So, siguro yun yun. And we will continue to be hopeful as we go along this podcast. Again, I'm Jonathan Ong. And I'm Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. This episode was edited by Carl Sayat. It was funded by Internews and powered by Puma Podcast. Follow Catch Me If You Can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have suggestions or comments for the show, we'd love to hear them. Maybe you'd also want to be a guest in this show and share your story. Maraming salamat po. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.